0: Welcome. Hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Change it up a little bit. It feels weird. Now I understand why you're always so hesitant to get started.
0: What are you welcoming us <sighs> to?
1: To Shuffle Buddy. Oh, yeah, to Shuffle Hello. Buddy. Hello. Oh, see, I can't even do that. It's okay. It's a different episode, it's a different type of episode.
0: It's a different episode because last time we were talking about the Summer game Spectacular.
1: Spectacular.
0: And it went really long. So we decided to save everyone a little uh, agony and split <laughs> it into two episodes. It,
1: it would have been a lot to listen to all at once. You yeah. probably would have gotten sick of us.
0: Yeah. So this time we've already got the conversation recorded and we just wanted to come in and introduce it and say hello.
1: Yeah. Hello. And at least give you a little bit of fresh squeeze content. Yeah. And it's very
0: <laughs> fresh. We just got back. From New York City,
1: New York City, or as
0: I like to call it,
1: <laughs> say it,
0: poo yuck <laughs> shitty. Not for any I don't real reason. It.
1: Cracks me up. It's
0: just a funny pun. I, it, I don't have anything against New poo, York City. Poo yuck
1: shitty. It yeah, just, we actually really enjoyed it.
0: It's such a perfect rhyme that it it just <laughs> fits. Yeah, but we were in New York City, and while we were there, mm-hmm. we ran around and did tons of fun things. But one of the fun things that I did while you were teaching your
1: Yeah, I taught the perfect scheduling on my part. First day of vacation, uh, I was teaching a workshop for a conference, (laughs) (laughs) which was supposed to take place in in New York and then went virtual, but I wasn't in New York City for the conference anyways. It was just like a happy accident. But yeah, so I had to work the first day of vacation Mm -hmm. and then Chris got to run around and do all these fun things all by himself while I worked.
0: And I ran straight to a ancient well i guess ancient might not be the right word but a historic board game store it's probably 40 to 50 years old 45 to 50 years old
1: yeah i guess in game store terms that's pretty
0: old that's pretty old and it's a store called the complete strategist and it's in manhattan right at the foot of the empire state building and i decided to run over there because i had kind of googled like what is the game store to visit while i'm in new york city and and that came up a lot so i wanted to go check it out and yeah it was worth the trip i mean it's a tiny little location that's really long and narrow just filled to the brim with games like i don't even know like 20 feet on either side of the this two narrow aisles the last time you
1: told me it was 15 well it keeps getting bigger
0: it was pretty tall and pretty frightening i wouldn't (laughs) i don't know if i would have asked them to take a game off of that giant stack
1: were there like those kind of like library Ladders.
0: There must have been, but I didn't I didn't see where they were. Okay. But just wanted to take a look and I searched high and low for something to buy. And they did have a really good selection of like ancient war games and like the new hotness. I saw a couple games that I haven't seen in stores yet. But I was traveling, so I didn't want to buy anything big, and I just mm-hmm. couldn't really find anything that That's I wanted true. at the moment. So I left empty-handed.
1: Yeah, because it's tough when you're traveling just like nationally i guess like staying in the u.s like there's not a whole lot of games that you wouldn't have the opportunity to get at home right so it's kind of hard when you're traveling because like i know know if you go to japan or south korea that's kind of a different story because then it's like there really are games that you can't get here in the u.s that you want to bring home but it's like for the most part unless it's like a rare game
0: they definitely like had a really solid war game kind of historical game section so there's probably something in there that is really rare or kind of cool or unheard of, but I don't know tons about that. So it's, it's not, not really your
1: jam. Yeah I, yeah.
0: I dip my toe in the pool, but I definitely don't dive deep into that
1: mm-hmm. section. So yeah.
0: Yeah. But it was really great. I loved seeing it. I thought it was worth taking a photo of it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Like I, I, I'm bummed I missed out on it, but I did get to visit because we went to Boston right afterwards. We were mm-hmm. in New York for a few days and then we went to Boston for a few days to meet up with my family and we went to Pandemonium. And I bought, I actually bought a book there. They had a good selection of just like sci-fi and fantasy books. And I bought a book. I can't remember the name of it, but it's about the evil stepmother from Cinderella. It's like her backstory. So I haven't started reading it yet because I'm finishing another one. I have gotten into this Flavia de Luce. That's the character's name. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a... Like a mystery series, and the and Flavia Delice is an eleven year old, but it's a really good book. It's about an eleven year old girl in nineteen fifty England, written by a sixty year old Canadian man.
0: <laughs> mm, perfect.
1: So yeah, he really knows what's up.
0: He captures the essence of. He Flavia. really
1: does. Except she, she it's really cute because she's like super into chemistry and she like has her own chemistry lab. Like because they live in this old castle, basically. Um, of course and she inherited this chemistry lab from you know some ancestor frankenstein yep exactly (laughs) and it's like she is performing like some serious chemistry stuff and i was like Nah, no 11 year old knows that much come on so i need to finish that book before i start this (laughs) new book i bought from pandemonium yeah and then you bought An expansion.
0: I bought an expansion to Fantasy Realms. Yeah, I love that Which we've been looking for. Yeah, which we've been playing a lot of Fantasy Realms Mm -hmm. lately. and And as soon as I heard about it... Um, I knew you'd love it because it is a a game where you're just collecting a set of seven cards Mm -hmm. and all the different cards have all sorts of different scoring conditions. So they like combo if you have a shield and a sword that match or a king and a queen and armies and and all these different combos. So really it's kind of just
2: combos. Yeah.
0: It's just a really simple hand management game of you get seven cards and you just keep your hand at seven until the game ends and then you just see what you got. So we were looking for the expansion because we played it probably, it's probably been our most played game of the last six months.
1: Because it's just so perfect. It's like a 15 minute game. So you can play it really quickly. But then also it's interesting enough and it draws you in enough where you can play a couple of games and it's still just as exciting.
0: And it always feels like that next great combo is just out of reach. That's
1: exactly what it is. (laughs) Just like one more hand, I could have had a perfect combo. There's so
0: many games that end and then you're like, ah, all I needed was this one card. And then you just start flipping through the deck to see how many (laughs) cards it would have been until we got to that card. But
1: yeah. So that's what
0: we got at Pandemonium Games. And they were really nice.
1: They were super nice.
0: Um, Everyone we talked to, I think we talked to two or three employees, and they were all very happy to chat and Mm -hmm. make recommendations and answer questions and all sorts of stuff.
1: They were great. It was very nice staff.
0: One game that we played on the road that I've kind of been wanting to talk about for a while is Medium, which is designed by Daniel DeLay, Lindsay Sherwood, and Nathan Thornton with art by Sarah Kelly and published by Greater Than Games, Mm. which is a game that has come out really often it, it has now become my new go-to social event activity it's really fun medium is a really simple game in fact you don't even need the game to play it and let's i'm gonna play it right now mm. ready yeah we're gonna play it live on air i'm gonna draw oh my gosh i, this I have is it so sitting.
1: nerve-wracking <laughs> i love it
0: i actually was on a work outing today And I brought along a little box of games and we played this at the brewery. It was a lot of people were having a lot of fun really quickly and it doesn't take any time at all. So in medium, all you do is pick two random words. Usually the game gives you the words, but if you're standing in public, you can look up a dictionary on your phone or just think of a word out of your head or however you want to do it. It's
1: hard to do it without the cards because then if you don't have the cards <laughs> and you try to pull from your brain, it's usually something that you're seeing.
0: Yeah, it's usually something <laughs> you're looking at. So like you can plant come plant
1: and computer.
0: <laughs> well, that would be a fine way to start medium, but I have drawn two yes. cards. The two cards are kite and bus. All right. And once you have the two words, it's our job cooperatively to form a psychic link with each other i got mine and come up with a word that ties these two random words together mm-hmm. and on the count of three we're going to say our word yeah and if we say the same word we win the game yeah so i hope we don't say the same word i know then I would, how awkward I would it, kind with of, that you'd be yeah. like well
1: <laughs> so there you go
0: <laughs> all right i'm ready okay ready yep. one two three travel Child. Okay, so I said child. We said it the exact same time. Not great thinking on our part. That's okay. I said child. You said? Travel. All right. Step two of the game is now we are trying to psychically link and think of the word that connects child and travel, and we can't say kite or bus, any of the previously said words.
1: You got to just go with your gut. Child and travel? Yep.
0: Okay, I've got one. I've got one. All right. Three, two, one. Car seat. Vacation. Dang it. Okay. This is now our last chance we get three chances this is our final chance we have to connect vacation and car car seat
1: seat. is that one word (laughs) i don't
0: know i thought for sure you'd get it so uh i know
1: i guess like vacation was just the first thing to come to mind that's good that's good yeah and
0: that's just how it goes all right so we get one final chance to say the same word if we don't then we lose if we do then we've won so the words are vacation and car seat
1: oh this is I have one. I have oh one. no, you have one. Mm-hmm. Vacation and car seat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I, th- I have one.
0: All right, three, three, two, one. one. Disney road World.
1: Trip. Oh dang it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's two words. Well, Disney I would World. Say Disney. I guess it's like I a proper road, noun, right? That's yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that is how you play medium. There is a beautiful produced game that you can buy at your local game store or even Target now. I did see them at Target as oh, well, ooh, continuing the Target.
1: Card, it's just cards.
0: Yep, it's just cards. The game actually has more pieces.
1: That's true. They have like there, scorekeeper pieces. Yeah,
0: there's kind of a metagame with scoring and all sorts of different things.
1: We've never done that.
0: You know, You don't need that.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. Like you're waiting in line for your reservation at a restaurant to be called, yep. your table to come up.
0: Yeah. So we've played that often. And actually what I did for the Boston trip is I I packed a tight little collection of games and I like to reuse components where I can. And I just had code name cards because we played code Mm -hmm. names as well. And I just use codename cards because all you need is prompts to help people think of one word without having to like look around the room and um, keep saying fun. the same word. Yeah. And we had tons of fun. We did an, a variant, which I've tried a couple of times, where you get three people and you have to have three people to get the same things. And
1: yeah, because my mom really wanted the three siblings to try. Yeah. Or maybe it was my dad. It was um, it was a parent who wanted the three children to try to mind link up.
0: Yep. And they did. And that's the only time I've ever seen all three. I've seen like people in a set of three, like two of them get mm-hmm. it. and But the third one is left out with you guys. You all got it. We and did it a really good job. Sense that somehow the Seekman family all comes to hockey <laughs> in the end. The, I don't know what the starting words are, but you ended on hockey. and yeah. All of you are pretty big hockey.
1: It started with um, Alps and Torch. Yep. And then I think like Neil said skiing, Russ said caves, and I said Olympics because we were just talking about one other combination that came up. We were talking about Olympics. Yep. And then it went in a couple different directions. And then finally it was like winter, water, and gold. And that's when we came up with and hockey. All three of them. We came all up with three hockey. said hockey. It took us. So normally you only get 3 chances, 3 rounds, and I think we got that one on the fourth round oh, cuz we, yeah, oh. we were going to yeah, cuz we were going to go until we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> cuz that's how my dad rolls. He's like, "We are going to do this until you figure it out." But I'm okay with doing four rounds for three people.
0: Well, I take back that I said that, or you're the only one who's ever done it. You didn't do it. I, think I don't it was give you credit rounds. for that. I feel like it was three, but.
1: Maybe it was three. Maybe it just felt like four.
0: <laughs> it, it was a lot of debate.
1: <laughs> That's true. I mean, it really did. A lot could of arguing
0: and debate. That's medium. I would throw them a buck because they have a nice package put together, but.
1: And it is just like the cards are just cool.
0: It's a great folk game. You can play anywhere, anytime. Pass your time waiting for a food truck, pass the time in a car, pass the time on the airplane, anything you want. All been done by us. Yep. Yep. And it's always super Remember fun. Remember
1: that food truck? We were waiting in line for like forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. <laughs> but we got to play this game. We got to play Made this game. Made it a game. lot nicer. Okay, well, this is gonna be like a whole
0: episode. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's not going to be much of an intro. Should we um, say what's coming up?
0: Well, if you remember, we left off where we had discussed kind of the lighter end of our four-game summer spectacular.
1: Spectacular. Summer
0: camp and... Trails. Summer camp and trails. And now we are going to go on and talk about Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, and the Goonies Never Say Die.
1: Never, ever say die.
0: All right. Let's jump back into the conversation. (gasps) Wait. Before we go, Mm -hmm.
1: we didn't even talk about our intro song.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess (gasps) we didn't.
1: It's different this time.
0: It is different this time. It is. It was going to be a different version of the song you played last time.
1: Yeah, it was going to be a really sad trumpet song.
0: Yeah. But when I was in New York, one of the things that I picked up actually from the MoMA.
1: The MoMA gift shop.
0: The MoMA gift shop. Or the
1: design store. Oh, no, gift shop. Yeah. No, it
0: was the design store across the street. But we picked it up from the MoMA design store. And they are two little pocket operators, which are basically these tiny little samplers and beat machine sequencers that fit in the palm of your hand and these two are specifically branded with Street Fighter and Mega Man and they have <laughs> official sound sound samples from those two video games yeah and i didn't really know anything about them and i just picked them up because i thought they kind of looked cool in fact the two that were in the moma uh, that you could play with were both broken <laughs> oh. so i literally had no idea what they did but I, I quickly looked up a youtube video and i was like oh man this is pretty sick
1: i noticed that you were like that was the fir- we were in a gift shop and that was like the first time you were like The one that was stuck in the gift shop and you were just like standing there for a while and I was like, I don't know what I was just
0: making sure that these weren't like absolute garbage. And it turns out they are not. If you look into these things, they're pocket operators by Teenage Engineering and they make some serious drum machine sampling. um, They're pretty cool. Equipment. And this is just one of their products. They make some like super serious stuff too. Um, But they're incredibly... More intricate and complicated than I thought they were going to be. Mm -hmm. But uh, I made some very rudimentary. Songs and samples and beats, um, and we're gonna tag one on the beginning and end of the episode. So that yeah. was that um, kind of eight bit.
1: And then w- the one that you played was from the um, Mega it, Man. Yeah,
0: it's actually using Mega Man samples.
1: Yeah, you was um, been working with the Street Fighter one, but yeah. this one is off the Mega Man.
0: Yep, and the Street Fighter one worked out really well too, but I think the Mega Man one yeah is more ready for pine maybe. time they're, they're they're pretty rough so apologies no if they're, they're
1: <laughs> fun that's super fun like i uh, i was gonna play something and i was like i heard him playing around with this and i was like that should be the intro to the episode because it's so spacey yeah like i think
0: that's a perfect one it's pretty cool
1: yeah and maybe we can do Mega Man for the intro and then you can do a little street fighter on the outro
0: well we'll see oh. if i do that i i just, I it it's surprisingly a lot of work, like not a lot of work. You can do it pretty fast, but it it's it's a, a complex little machine. Yeah. If you want to look at some videos of this, there's a guy named Ricky Tinez. I don't know if that exactly that's how you say his name, but it's mm-hmm. Ricky T-I-N-E-Z mm-hmm. on YouTube. And he goes in deep on these things and shows how he works with them and how his workflow goes and kind of how he uses them. He's got tons and tons of like audio production videos on YouTube and I've really just enjoyed watching him because the way he lights his sets and everything like that, he just has really nice production on his videos and he seems like a really nice and kind of charming, like nerdy audio engineering, but funny, cool guy. He's very like cool, like he looks like a cool DJ or something like that. But yeah, I've been watching his videos and the things he does with the pocket operators, and just everything in general makes me want to get back into like sound production and stuff like that. And mine are incredibly, incredibly rudimentary compared to what he does. But if you want to see what these things do, look up Ricky Tinez and Pocket Operators and check out some of his videos.
1: That's awesome. I know it has to be good because he was watching it on our vacation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was cool. (laughs) I'm really impressed.
1: Yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure that we uh, called that out to say like, hey, There's something cool and new at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And
0: my ideal dream is to eventually make some like underlying like beats or melodies on the pocket operator and then pair that with these songs that you make and then just have a little bit more of a multi-layered sound as well.
1: Yeah. And then we can have like a sound effect board. Yep. So we can be like...
0: We both made the parts. Like song. that we both get to the
1: parts <laughs> And with that, we will release you to the episode. Release
0: the episode. <laughs> that was fall.
1: Yep. Now summer we're getting campus, the summer. harsh winter.
0: Trails is fall. Moving into the harsh winter, the cold and frozen nether regions of space. (laughs) Nether regions. Nether regions. (laughs) And let's talk about terraforming. Barren landscape. Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition.
1: (laughs) Ares Expedition?
0: Ares Expedition. Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition is a game that's designed by Jacob Frixelius, Nick Little, and Sidney Engelstein. The artists are William Brecker, Isaac Frixelius... Garrett Kaida, Jason D. Kingsley, Justin Nortya, and Naomi Robinson. And the publisher is Stronghold Games. In Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, each player is going to take the role of a corporation working to terraform Mars. And they're going to do this by creating oceans, raising the temperature, and increasing the oxygen level in Mars's atmosphere. They're going to be working together to terraform Mars, but it's still a competitive game. At the end, you want to be the person who contributes most to this terraforming expedition. In Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, each player is going to have a handful of project cards representing scientific research and progress and and breakthroughs, which they're going to build to create a unique tableau with a huge range of specific actions, ongoing abilities, production, and more. You're kind of working to create the most efficient and impactful engine in order to contribute more to the Terraforming efforts than any of your competitors. So, that all may sound very familiar to players of Terraforming Mars or anyone who's familiar with it. The main way that Ares Expedition differs is around its round structure. Okay. All players in Terraforming Mars Ares Expeditions have a handful of action cards, one for each phase of the round, and players are simultaneously going to select the action phase they'd like to activate, play them face down. Everyone's going to reveal their phase that they chose. And those are the phases, and only those phases, that will resolve in this round. Anything not selected gets skipped. Not only is selecting a phase going to dictate which phases will happen that round, also the player who chose each phase is going to get a special bonus when that phase is resolved. So, the phases are, the first phase is always development, where players can build a green project card from their hand if they can afford it. If you are the person or one of the people who chose that phase, you also get a discount when you build. Green cards usually increase your production and get you resources. The second phase is construction. You can play a red or blue project card from your hand. If you chose it as the phase, you also get to either draw a card or play a second red or blue card. Blue cards give you ongoing actions and powers. Red cards are usually massive, one-time events that give you a huge influx of something, but then they kind of go away. The third phase is the action phase. In this phase, you resolve any actions on any of the blue cards you previously had played into your tableau. Um, And if you played the action card, the bonus you get is you get to choose one of the actions in front of you and activate it twice. The fourth phase is production, which is really straightforward. You just gain new resources for all of your production, which is usually money, heat, and plants. And if you chose the production phase as your action, you also get a $4 bonus. And the fifth phase is the research phase, which is very simple. It allows you to draw two cards and keep one from the massive shared deck of cards to draw. Uh, If you chose the action, then you get to draw five and keep two. So players are going to choose the phase they want to do. Once they're revealed, we go through all phases that are taking place. We're building oceans. We're increasing the temperature and we're increasing the oxygen of terraforming Mars. There are basically parameters that need to be met. And once all three of these parameters are met, the game is over. And at that point... Whoever has the highest score wins. So that's Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. First thoughts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love love building engines. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this satisfied my engine building itch. This scratched my engine building itch. I loved finding cards that could just build off of one another and just try to... It is as much done as possible. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's not um, the most exciting review yeah. ever, but I really do love engine building games. I think they're super satisfying.
0: Yeah. And this like Terraforming Mars and Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition are engine building games that let you, like, revel in the engine because mm-hmm. you have a massive splay of cards in front of you that all do different things and give you better production. It's not just like build a little engine, like a little deck, like summer camp where your deck gets a little bit better. It's like you're going to build an engine over the course of hour, two hours, three hours, and you're just adding to it a little bit at a time. I guess what I'm just saying is... Not three hours though. No, not for Ares Expedition. No. No. Yeah. But you're kind of putting together this engine and it's has a lot of moving pieces. Of, yeah. And you've
1: you got to calibrate it correctly because I remember there was one time I went big into a lot of one resource that then let me raise the temperature really fast. Mm -hmm. But then after I raised it as far as I could raise it, I was still producing all of this resources that I couldn't do anything else with. But it was like, I couldn't use that to like, I couldn't trade it in for points. I couldn't trade it in to raise the oxygen. So I just had a butt ton of heat, (laughs) (laughs) but nowhere to go with it. And and everything else, all the other resources I kind of did not do as well on and so after the heat got built up uh, i really slowed down a little bit so it's it's kind of fun because i think that happened in the first game and there was a card out there that i think i might have gotten rid of that let you turn your heat into points yeah
0: and that's the thing about this game is you go through tons of cards Mm -hmm. and like there Mm -hmm. is kind of that key to every lock where if you're generating tons of heat, there's a card that lets you turn heat into money or it lets you turn heat into something else that's yep. usable. But it's kind of like getting those pieces of your engine in place before that happens. And and sometimes that works perfectly and you just get something that really purrs. And sometimes you just can't quite find that card or you pass it by like you might have. And you're like, now yeah. I see why that card was really valuable. Oh,
1: that makes sense. Because yep, I do actually remember you sense. did that
0: exactly where you're like, you kind of had this like, moment why where you're like... Why would I ever need that? You're like, I remember this card that I threw away like... <laughs> 10 turns ago, and now I'm understanding why it was a really good card. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, this game, I love it because it's like, it, it. it's a slow start because then, you know, after the end of each turn or at the end, end of, of each, each round, round, you get to basically collect like your, you know, like monthly resource income or not mm-hmm. monthly,
0: but roundly resource income. Well, in this one, you have to trigger the production phase.
1: Yes. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. And at first... You're producing none, maybe mm-hmm. one or two of each type of resource, and so it is kind of a slow start. But once you get it built up, it really starts cranking
0: fast. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. That to end spend of the game it. comes real fast. It does. It all yes, it does. So I think Terraforming Mars is a game that we have talked about on the podcast, I believe. And it and it's a really good engine building game as well that we both liked. So mm-hmm. this one is a little bit different. And I think the main way it's different, there's a couple main ways that it's different. For one, it doesn't it has a board, quote unquote board. It does have a board, mm-hmm. but the board is largely just a tracker for your score and the three different variables that you're trying to terraform. Yeah. There is a picture of Mars, but really it is just a place to hold bonus tiles that whenever you place an ocean, you just flip one over and goes, hey, I got a little bonus. Yeah. In the original Terraforming Mars, there was a kind of a map that you would like build onto and it was important where you were building trees next to cities. And there was just a lot going on with the map that was kind of a big part of the game. It was, I would say the original Terraforming Mars, if it had a formula, it was like, 60% 60% your tableau and then 40% what you were doing on the face of Mars. Yes. And this yeah. one is pretty much all your tableau because the board is really just a place just the whole to hold bonus keep tiles. Track, yeah. yeah. Just to keep track of how far in the game you've gone. There's
1: no interaction on the board.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that is one big key difference. Mm-hmm. So it really it's kind of advertised as terraforming Mars the card game, which is true, mm-hmm. although it still comes with a board. And and the original Terraforming Mars had like 300 cards or something. So it already kind of felt like a card game. (laughs) And this has an equally giant stack of cards, a massive stack of cards. Uh Like every single card in this game is unique. And I think there's 200 or 300 cards. So it just has a lot of cards. Um, The other thing that this one does is it is shorter. It is not like a trails level 20 minute game or anything like that it's yeah, it was probably like an hour yeah it's probably like an hour long game i would say
1: yeah
0: um maybe a little bit longer for the learning game but once you get going it's a it's a quicker game yep and so that's just kind of really nice because terraforming mars no matter how good you are it always seems like it lasts at least two hours mm, Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's a chunky game
0: it is a chunky game and then the the main way they changed it, like we said, was those phases where I pick a phase and you pick a phase. We reveal them and then we see what phases are activating. Yep. And so I guess, what did you think about that? Was
1: I liked that- it. It added a, an extra element where it wasn't just like we have phase one and then we'll do phase two and then we'll do phase three. And it's kind of like, ooh, I really want to play the like resource funding phase,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I have a feeling Chris might need to play that one too. And so if we both play it, then we only get the rewards of one phase. Right. And if we play different phases, then we get the rewards of both phases, you know, or we get to do the actions of both phases. And so I liked that It that brought a little bit more reading the person across the table, looking at what they, we're there at and being like, oh, I think they need resources more than me. I have a feeling they're going to play it. So I'm going to play like the, the building or whatever it was phase. And then you lay your phases <laughs> out. And then neither of you, both of I you had gonna, the same thought. And then you, no one's getting resources this round. I which, was going
0: to say that that is how it works. <laughs> but I think every time. We were terrible at predicting.
1: We really were. We would play the same.
0: It was always like the resource space. Yeah. And we would just <laughs> never play
1: the same card.
0: We'd flip it over and be like, I swear to God, you were you should be like I was like, you should be <laughs> based on what you're doing right now, you should be doing this. And then you just would pick something else and it was just something that came out of nowhere. So that would kind of throw a wrench in your turn because you might've been like, well, I needed the production phase so I could buy this card. Or, yeah, yeah. And, I was you hoping know.
1: you would play that because that would have, like I wanted to do this and then I wanted to do the resources.
0: Yeah. Um, I and, did
1: like it once you brought out the little card stands because you have your cards, like your deck, and then you have the five cards that represent the, re- like the, the action phases. The phases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have two different, decks.
0: It was a little awkward cuz you're just going through a lot of cards in this game and you had like this yeah. permanent hand of 5 that you're kind of cycling through and then just to
1: indicate what res- what kind of phase you wanted mm-hmm. to play. And, but yeah, I really liked it when you brought out just like a card stand from another game. Yeah. Uh, and you and then cuz then we could just have the five cards laying up in front of us and then just pick our one off of there and yeah. you know, kind of hold it in the middle of the table and then flip it over.
0: Which Maybe sounds like cheating because I might be able to say like, "Oh, I see what card Casey's picking," and I tried to do that where I was like, "I see Casey's picking the one on the end. That must be the first phase production." And then you'd like reveal the third phase because they weren't in order. They on weren't in board. order. I but I was like, "Oh, I feel like I know what she's picking," and then it never was true. So even if you use card stands, you can't predict what they're gonna what yeah. they're gonna pick. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I I think it adds like some level of fun mm-hmm. but it's and you've never played this game but it is like straight up this game called race for the galaxy mm. um and it's a little bit like san juan and puerto rico which both have that action selection and oh, you yeah. even get the you get the um, and
1: then the person who played it get a gets a little bit, of a, a stronger little bit of a bonus action. yep
0: it's definitely taken from those games and i think in those games it is a little bit more crucial like the order of those or what's chosen is a little bit more like central to the game mechanic. Yeah. With this one, it did add a little bit of player interaction because we were trying to play off each other. But Terraforming Mars is kind of like a death by a thousand cuts game where... The actions, especially early on, are just like really minimal, where you're like, I'm increasing the temperature by one degree. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like get these three resources or whatever. So, th- I guess what it, it meant is there were no like super power plays because of the result of these cards like getting flipped up in the right order. And you're like, oh, yeah, this turn is going to be amazing. You're like, oh, good. I will be a little bit more efficient on this turn. And I think what that adds is also like the player interaction that's missing because the board
1: mm-hmm. interaction
0: is gone. So, that's true. So, I think it's like it's a different thing. But I don't know if it's like better than Terraforming Mars for me because in Terraforming Mars, you kind of were just more like, here's all the great things I want to do. And on my turn, I only get to do two things. So I'm going to do these two. And then you kind of are doing a little bit more of your own thing in the action phase, but Mm -hmm. a little bit more shared thing out on the board. And this one, you're kind of sharing the action phase a little bit more. But I think I like the way it works in Race for the Galaxy because they feel like more crucial to the game. Where I was like, when a card got flipped and I was like, oh, you didn't do what I thought. Well, I guess like, I'm just not going to do much this turn, but neither are you. And then next time, hopefully we'll do the things we didn't do this time.
1: Yeah. I. It's kind of like the game is built upon mm-hmm. that mechanic. And I think in this game of Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, it was kind of added on top. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, we have this. Uh, but I feel like there should be one more thing <laughs> or something like that you know where i feel i feel i mean and obviously this is probably not how it happened i'm sure it was very you know well thought out but it seems like it was just something that was just like added
0: that's kind of how it feels and so mm-hmm. i was trying to think and i do like it like i played it and i liked it and mm-hmm. i was like this is a good game terraforming mars is also a good game terraforming mars isn't my favorite game by any stretch of the imagination, but Mm -hmm. it's like when it's time for Terraforming Mars, then it's like a really satisfying experience. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the one where I was kind of like, all right, sales coming up. Do I keep Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition Mm. in addition to, instead of, or not at all, Mm -hmm. compared to Terraforming Mars, this base game? Mm
1: -hmm. And And you decided.
0: Well, I was curious to see if you had a strong preference because I kind of decided like, I'm like, it still took a while. Like it wasn't a short game. It wasn't nearly as long as Terraforming Mars, but it was not a short game. It scratched a very similar itch. Yeah. Where I didn't feel like parks where I'm like, oh, this is different than trails or, you know, like where I didn't kind of feel like I would definitely have a need for this one. And this one, I was kind of like, if I'm going to do this, I probably would just choose one of these. Mm. And I put Terraforming Mars Aries expedition on the chopping block to, for the sale. And I feel like at the end of the day, I'm just like, it's a good game. Like, it's pretty much as good as Terraforming Mars. Yeah. In my opinion. So then it's like, like,
1: why not just play Terraforming Mars? Yeah,
0: that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, why not just play Terraforming Mars? It is longer.
1: Because what other games that I've played, especially, are similar to this expedition? Like, what do you think kind of scratches that chunky game itch in an hour's time uh, engine building kind of stuff. Oh, I,
0: I mean, there's like a million. That's like, I know. it's such a...
1: I'm trying to think, because that's <sighs> what I'm thinking. It's cause like, yeah, it's like that's just going to be adding to the pile of yeah. of many. And like, I think can that's think, it. It's yeah. like, that
0: is a very well-covered... In my collection, that's like probably the most well-covered game is kind of that like mm-hmm. hour-long yeah. kind of cr- crunchy Euro game, Everdell. I'm looking at Hansa Teutonica. I'm looking at, oh, yeah. you know, like... I'm kind of just looking at, around at my shelves in this room. This room yeah. is not the Euro room. It's more of the war room and stuff. But um, <laughs> but there are just like, or there's Tenner's Trail, um, Clans of Caledonia. Like um, there's just a lot of games that are at that length and weight. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, yeah, it's a very specific culture.: Maybe like a, yeah, like a
1: culture. Yeah, like
0: a Viticulture even. Like right. they're not similar games in really any no. stretch, but similar time Similar crunch, Mm -hmm. similar everything. And I'm just like, Terraforming Mars kind of was like a special place in that it was this like big bloated, like you had a hundred cards in front of you by the end of the game and like (laughs) all of these, you know, it it kind of, and you're, and controlling that map is cool. And watching the green spread out across the map and how you're putting your cities. And, you know, usually it's kind of- That is very thematic. It's kind of an abandoned center, but sometimes maybe somebody goes north or south or something, you know, and um, I just think, if I'm going to do it, I I kind of want the map, mm-hmm. and I kind of want those little extra things. And um, yeah, so at the end of the day, I was just like, I think I probably would just not play Terraforming Mars. Like, I don't see a lot of situations where I would pull it out over Expedition. Terraforming Mars. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Air, ex- it, this
1: one's tough, because it's like, they're both called Terraforming <laughs> know, Mars, yeah. and this one's just like... The Ares Expedition. Yes. So there's
0: fewer <laughs> times where I could see like justifying pulling out Ares Expedition instead of like one of these amazing games, which are usually like my favorite level of games. Yeah. I'll probably play like Anachrony. Yeah.
1: Right? I mean, like yeah. it's kind of That's probably a little theme. bit
0: bigger, but it is... It is it's Cause like, I
1: really like that one. Yeah. And that once we I, got playing, like, it was like pretty times.
0: short too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, like there's just a lot of games. That's just like a, such a popular thing where I'm just like, oh my God, there's you know, like we have an yeah. hour, hour and a half, and we want like a kind of this chunky edging building game. Kind of I have a lot of those. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of where I landed. And it's not that I don't like it at all. It, it's kind of just a weird, it's like one of those things where I have a embarrassment of riches where I'm like, I have so many good games. Yeah. And even on the, my pile of 80 games to sell, like 65 of them or more are games that I'm like, yeah, I'd play this right now. Mm-hmm. I like this game.
1: Right. Like, right. It, t- it
0: just takes more you than me being like, keep, I like it. It has yeah. to have something. It has to be have like a form factor or a, yeah, just like a certain. Or like,
1: it, I really like it. Or you really <laughs> or like it. Or I'll play it always. Yeah, you yes. really like it. Yeah. Or
0: yeah, I can see exactly. Usually there's like a person and I'm like, this is a game that I would play with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of have like a face that I associate with some games. And in this one, I'm kind of just like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I could play with anybody, I guess. But I there's nobody that I'm like, I want to show you this.
1: Yep. No, I totally get that, and that, and, and it makes me think of uh, baby's first engine building game. <laughs> I think this might actually be a really good introduction to engine building because the board has no it, interaction. Yeah. like you're just tracking things. There's nothing else that you have to worry about other than just you know this this task at hand to like raise the oxygen. Raise the temperature, mm-hmm. you know, and build and, and just like uncover the oceans, you know, and yeah. you're using your, your engines to get there.
0: I think that's a kind of an interesting point when you say that it makes me think about the cards and like, cause it's, it's, I wouldn't call it baby's first because it's still pretty intensive a game. Like, baby's first engine, like even Everdell is like, baby's easier, first
1: chunky engine building <laughs> yeah. game.
0: What makes these cards different than Terraforming Mars? And I think in this one, they felt because there's no board to affect they felt a little bit more samey where they were all kind of doing mm-hmm.
2: variations
0: on a similar thing. Like this one generates this much heat or this much heat. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't any that are like, you know, in, in Terraforming Mars, you can be like, this is a nuclear blast site and you like cordon off this section of the map and like that is dead to the world and you're just kind of changing things. So yeah. I think there's less of that. So I'm kind of feeling like there's less excitement that's happening in those cards. So maybe I that's part that. of it too.
1: Yeah. Once you've seen a few, you kind of, seen them all yeah well i think this is gonna be a long episode i it feel is
0: gonna be a long episode
1: but That's uh great. yeah should we move on to the next one or do you want to like do an official wrap-up of terraforming mars aries expedition or have we covered it all i think we've covered it all i think so, so too so it's yeah it's good
0: yeah it's good
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's good but not put it, necessary put like, it
0: on the box terraforming mars <laughs> aries expedition
1: it's put good it on the box it's good <laughs> <laughs> it's good
0: it's good period <laughs>
1: I it's mean, good period <laughs> so I think what you I think you said it correct, like there's an embarrassment of riches. We are so lucky that we have so many other games that are in that realm that we have played this, and that's good enough for us. It was yeah. a good experience. I don't regret it, but I don't need to keep playing it I'm
0: not thinking about it like I am nope. like those games I was talking about earlier where I'm just like I got to play it again and yeah. again and when again. we were
1: thinking about doing this podcast today, I was like ooh, I want to play Summer Camp again. Yeah, You know, like, but I didn't really think like, ooh, I need to play Terraforming
0: Mars. Well, speaking of one that I am feeling like I want to play again, spoiler alert. Yeah. Let's talk about the final game, The Goonies Never Say Die, mm-hmm. which is designed by Prospero Hall, who we mentioned earlier. It's like a team of designers, so it's mm-hmm. not an individual person. Um, and the artist is Eric Hibbler and Henning Ludwigson. And the publisher is actually Funko Games, which...
1: Oh, um, and they, they make those like dolls. Yeah, like the right? Funko figurines. Pops. Yeah.
0: Which is interesting because usually Prospero Hall, I thought, was just the publisher. But I guess this one's by Funko Games. Interesting. Goonies Never Say Die is about mining Goonies. arsenic. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> mining arsenic.
0: <laughs> so, the, the, no. The Goonies Never Say Die is a adventure game about the classic 80s movie, The Goonies. Uh, And in The Goonies Never Say Die, one player is the Goondock's master. They're kind of the overarching bad guy, and they get to read from a scenario book um, and kind of work as the engine behind the game, and they reveal the map, they control the enemies, they spring the traps, uh, and they just generally try and stop the Goonies from completing their objectives. And these objectives are kind of slowly revealed throughout each scenario because it's a very narrative-driven game. The other players take on the role of the Goonies, And in this game, you can play as Mikey, Mouth, Chunk, Data, and Sloth, who all are basically like role-playing characters who all have their unique abilities. Um, They have their own stats and sometimes equipment. They are working to uh, survive and complete each adventure by exploring, fighting, and solving light puzzles or challenges. Um, So play alternates between the Goonies' turn and then the Goondock's master's turn. On the Goonies' turn, they can perform several actions uh, in whichever order they'd like, which include moving, attacking monsters, and searching for treasure. On the Goondock's master's turn, they activate each enemy to move and attack, and they can also play cards from a hand of events to spring traps, spawn more enemies, or just advance the doom counter, which kind of acts as a game clock, to try and stop the Goonies from achieving victory. Like I said, it's a very narrative game, so every game kind of opens with the Goonies' starting in a room on a map Mm -hmm. and the map slowly revealing itself as they move. The Goondocks master places down like a new tile on the board. They tell you what's in the room, including enemies or anything they can interact with. And they just kind of present the story. Mm -hmm. So that's really it. It's a pretty simple game. It's very inspired by role-playing games in that... Again, you are just kind of running around exploring and fighting and doing challenges using a series of dice rolls. Yeah. And although I said it's very RPG inspired, Mm -hmm. it is definitely still a board game. Mm -hmm. The one thing when I was thinking about buying this game that I was worried about is it was going to be a role-playing game. Okay. I I wasn't 100% sure because it was very new. It hadn't had a lot of... Put out there in the world about it yet I was like is this a role-playing game is this kind of like a narrative storytelling exercise or is this a a board game with like win conditions and mm-hmm. rules about what you can like like very specific limited rules about what you can do instead of kind of a very general palette in which to paint paint this broad picture yeah and I was very happy to find out it it is a game like it's a game game game
1: it's a gamey game game
0: it's a game inspired by role-playing and definitely has that adventure game kind of thing happening
1: yeah
2: but
0: it's still like as the Goondocks master i am not deciding what happens i'm following a set of rules i'm constrained by the cards i have in my hand and the the miniatures i have on the board and i really have to do what i can and i say i because i'm i'm i always play the goondox master because i'm the the person who brings the games to the table and learns the rules, right? So, and you've
1: you've played it before and like know it better than everybody, and so yeah. that's always like kind of the best person to yeah. so, to be the the GM. Yeah. So I'm
0: <laughs> the GM. I'll say that instead of Goondock's master Master, that's, <laughs> that's a tongue, that's a mouthful. That's what but, it is. Um. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is like a game. Great. Awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have played, you just played like a couple scenarios, right? I think
1: I just played, I think we just played the one.
0: Okay. You just played the one. I played several. I've played several of the opening scenarios several times with a couple different groups.
1: Yeah. I feel like we played like the second scenario because you said the first one was.
0: It's pretty introductory. Yeah. 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 As somebody who was like, you were basically learning the system and having the adventure at the same time. How did that play out for you?
1: It was really easy to pick up. Um, I mean, you're always a really good
0: teacher (laughs) well i'm not i'm not (laughs) pushing for compliments i I know i
1: know but i'm just saying like i think the whole table was able to pick it up pretty well and i always like those those cooperative games Mm -hmm. because i like knowing that i can kind of depend on other people and then even if i don't totally understand the rules i get to talk to others about it and decide what to do that makes like cooperative games easier to pick up right away Mm because you get to
0: figure it out together yeah And this is a very, it is meant for families, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So they really did like do a lot to really simplify and streamline a lot of the systems that usually appear in these kind of games. There's not any math. The challenges that you have to exceed are not like adding in your modifiers Mm -hmm. or anything like that. One thing I love about this game is the dice system. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a huge dice fan, so it's like rare that I love a dice system, but I think they did an amazing job with the dice system in this. And it's just like there's three different types of dice. There's a red six-sided dice, a blue eight-sided dice, I think, and then a um, green 12-sided dice. The green dice is just objectively better than the red dice. Mm -hmm. And so like a strong character or like a character like Sloth, who is strong but maybe not very smart, You know, there's basically three stats. There's strength there's dexterity and then there's kind of this like deduction. kind yeah. of. Yeah.
1: And then like the three levels, but basically you get the dice that corresponds to your strength in that area. Yeah.
0: So instead of having a number and saying I'm 19 strong or something like right. that, you're, you're just like, I roll a green I'm dice. Green dice. Strong. I'm really strong. Like green dice is as good as you can get. Yep. Um, and so uh, when you're rolling dice, you can also spend a token to increase your dice and these tokens are kind of these wish tokens and you only have a certain amount and you can say you know what it's really important i succeed in this challenge i'm rolling a red dice but i'm going to spend a token to level it up one so i level up to the next level dice and then i could spend another token and do it again all the way up to the green dice and then you're just rolling with better odds Mm -hmm. it's not like adding on any math it's just kind of like this really tangible thing where you're just like i'm rolling the better dice and I'm going to spend this token to roll the better dice. Mm-hmm. And the dice itself doesn't have any numbers on it. It either has like a success or a side that does nothing or a side that rewards the Goondocks master mm-hmm. with a, basically the similar token to the the token that players use to upgrade their yeah, dice. It's
1: either blank or it has bones Which are or only one yeah. bone or a skull. Yeah. It's, it's all so visual. It's,
0: it's all visual. It's super easy to just roll and see if you succeed or not. And other than that, they just kept it really simple. Like movement, you just move from a room to a room. That's it. Combat, you just like roll your strength. Dexterity checks, you just choose your dexterity. If you're like crossing a perilous pit or something, you just choose the dice and roll it. And it keeps it really simple and light, but it just is really great for keeping things moving and keeping the adventure happening.
1: Yeah. And I had actually never seen The Goonies (laughs) before. And so we watched The Goonies and I was like, I can't believe this is a kid's movie. Yeah, it's true. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But, you know, it was good. It was like, oh my gosh, those kids are yelling the whole time
0: and it drove me crazy. I know.
1: I did not realize, like, they were just like, they could not talk at a normal volume. (laughs)
0: and they're was, always talking over each other it's yeah so funny.
1: <laughs> but it was a good movie and i feel like the game really took the i feel like all of these games are very thematic and it really did feel like you were kind of on that journey of uh going through the because the one that we did we were going through the cave and at mm-hmm. the end of it i think you have to play the bone keyboard oh, yeah, is that what play. we did at the end yep. was that like the yeah so that's where we were yeah and so it did really feel like that like it was like you're gonna cross this little bridge what's gonna be here and then something would be revealed mm-hmm. um the board interaction itself kind of reminded me of gloomhaven yeah it's like where that it was kind just of like you just uncover board. things mm-hmm. yeah and you you know and you're kind of like losing strength and you're Maybe helping each other and being like, "Oh, hey, I have I have a thing where I can give you one of those wish tokens to up your roll, and you need to roll this to try to beat that monster, mm-hmm. or like you go over there so those monsters follow, or like whatever they were, they follow you.
0: They're called monsters, but they're like bats and rats and right. Oh, that's or what the they are. Yeah, yeah, know. the Fratellis are yeah. running
1: after you. That part kind of reminded me of Gloomhaven a little bit. Yeah,
0: it is like a, is like a very simple like version of that dungeon crawl. It's a dungeon crawl. Yeah, so
1: I could feel like I, I felt like I was watching the movie.
0: And the first three missions basically recreate the plot of the Goonies.
1: Mm-hmm. The,
0: they're very much like structured. They're very creative in how they do that. But they are very much like, if you know the Goonies, you can probably guess some of the things that are going to happen. Yeah. And so I've played all the way through the Goonies. And one mission beyond that. And I've just looked forward to all the missions. So I haven't played all nine missions, but I've looked forward. And once they get past the plot of the Goonies, it starts to get out there. Like, you know, real monsters, like skeletons and ghosts Mm -hmm. and just more like ethereal, spectral things. Yeah, They really kind of get to like, be super creative and I feel like that was probably really fun to like come up with those missions to recreate the the yeah. Goonies plot, but then also from there just like fully go out and Is it
1: still the Goonies?
0: It's still the Goonies, yeah. So
1: does it feel like it's still rooted in Goonie esque?
0: Yes. Basically, theme? yeah. And basically okay, it's cool. it's I mean, I shouldn't spoil it, but it's basically like one eyed Willy, like, you know, there's still Ooh. he's still like the main He becomes almost like the main antagonist instead of this thing that's kind of behind the whole story. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of moves to the front. Um, Cool. Yeah. And one thing that I think dungeon crawlers can feel a little bit repetitive sometimes. Yeah. But Goonies does a great job of really changing the mission objectives and really kind of like varying how the missions feel. Sometimes you're like racing and the fatalities are behind you and it's kind of like a sprint to the end. There's one that is like you're going through water slides and it's kind of a puzzle where when you go through a water slide, you end up in a random spot and then you kind of have to like work out the route of slides that you need to take to get to the end encounter. Oh, that's fun. And yeah. yeah, and they just do really creative things with kind of this like very limited palette of you know, tiles and and verbs that they're kind of building this world with. But I'm just like super impressed. The artwork is amazing. The production is amazing. Yeah. Prospero Hall always does a great job. For being a mass market retail game, it doesn't, it has a couple plastic miniatures, but I really love just the artists that they got feel like those 80s adventure posters you know like yeah like the
1: back of a comic book like the ads in the back of a comic book. yeah
0: like the yeah yeah the yeah, the, the the skill cards for the characters are very much like those x-ray, x-ray specs, specs. Drawings. Yeah, yeah totally so those are like really thematic and feel appropriate but the cover art is like really lush and vibrant and with like you know rim lighting and all sorts of just just like 80s really a kind of evokes that feeling of being a kid and what you kind of imagine these things look like, but they're probably better than you remember. I want to play more, and I'm Mm -hmm. not usually a fan of these games, just because as the Goondocks Master, I felt like I wasn't like holding back my punches and being like, oh, I really want him to see the story. I was like, it's hard for me as the Goondocks Master. I feel like it's weighted a little bit in favor of the Goonies. It can be depend on the mission, I think, as well. But like, I played it with a bunch of people, and then me and my friend Ryan were like, let's sit down and play this like an aggressive head to head game. And we played it just him and I, he was played a couple Goonies and I played the Goondocks master and we played it as a, a competitive game and to kind of took out the story aspect. Cause we played a mission we'd already seen. And we were just like, let's see if I can beat you. And if you can be me. And we played it that way and it still worked as a game. So out of all of these games, I think the Goonies Never Say Die is probably the one that I am most excited about and I probably would recommend the most. So I'm looking forward to playing that one more.
1: Mm, I don't know if I'm as jazzed as you are on it. And it might have been just like the day, the situation. I think it was like a nice day out and we sat down to play it. It went on a little bit longer than I wished it would have because then we ordered um, Pizza Hut. Yeah. Because that was we were trying to keep with our 80s theme. And for some reason we just think Pizza Hut is very 80s or 90s. Or nineties, yeah. Maybe that's just because like we interacted with it so much because of uh, book it. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Pizza Hut was always the place to go. So basically it got to be the time because we were gonna pick up the pizza because delivery was gonna take forever. And I was like, I'll go get it. <laughs> Cause I was kinda ready to be done, honestly. Okay. And then basically when I came back, you were still playing, but it was almost over. And I think I took over and played like my last turn. But for me, some of those games where it's like kind of dice rolling, there's only so much to think about, especially when it's cooperative too. You can kind of uh, just be on cruise control a little bit. And it's kind of like, nah, eh, whatever. Whatever happens, happens. Like I, I just don't get super into it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's just not, I'm just not as invested. Um, maybe if it was something where... It was just like an afternoon and it was kind of a random assortment of people. Maybe if it was like the closer group of friends or if it was like on a Saturday night and we're having a few beers, we'd just get like super into it. But I just wasn't drawn in. It was still interesting. I would still give it another try. But for me, it just wasn't engaging enough to really draw me in and make me super stoked. Like I was ready for it
0: to be over. Yeah, I totally... Feel where you're coming from because that's kind of how I feel about most of these kind of games. Mm-hmm. They're a kind of a, a genre of game that I, I've had in the past, and I have I've kind of gotten rid of most of anything that I have of that that dungeon crawling variety yeah and i can definitely see that so i think if you're not into the theme like and i think some of these other people who were playing their lives were defined by the goonies like in a lot of ways like those types of movies and in growing up with the goonies yeah just resonated with them on a very Ooh,
1: maybe if it was like the mighty ducks <laughs> i would get into that that yeah. would be
0: mine and, and but i think that again is it's kind of that narrative game yeah A lot of the
1: joy of the game is derived from the theme.
0: Yeah. And if you're not into the kind of the world that it's presenting, you're going to be a lot less interested. And again, those games are just, there's a lot less mechanically going on than something like Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, where, you know, you're really putting together these synergies and building these enders. You are just moving and attacking.
1: Yeah, and, and you're rolling dice. And you're rolling and it's dice. it's kind of just like, unless you're Ian, <laughs> who is so bad at rolling dice. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of just like, well, yeah, I couldn't have done it any other way. Mm-hmm. You know, and at least with like Gloomhaven, you have your cards. You're and putting we- your cards together and you have control over what's going to happen. Yeah,
0: and that's why I, I played Gloomhaven and I like Gloomhaven. But Gloomhaven is the exception to the rule where the Gloomhaven is like, this is the the things that you're doing mm-hmm. are the interesting part. And the story is interesting too, I guess, but it is very much a mechanical-driven game or mechanisms-driven game yep. compared to the narrative-driven of something like the D&D adventure games yep. or this I just, game.
1: Yeah, I just don't think I was in the mindset To play that game
0: i mean if you're not in the mindset you're not doing a lot besides no you're not really not doing a
1: lot and i don't think i that's i wasn't expecting that um and so for me i was expecting an engaging game i was thinking maybe it would be a little bit more Mm gamey you know and um engaging and it really was more the story the adventure because yeah you're just kind of like oh there's a rat. Let's roll some dice to see if we beat them. And if not, then you just have to try to beat them. And it's just dice rolling. I mean, there's some tactical considerations a, oh, yeah, oh, to be like, oh, sure. we
0: need to do this. So you stay back and we'll do this. And, you know, you can kind of... It was just not
1: what I was expecting, I think, and that's probably why I just wasn't as jazzed about it.
0: Yeah, and I also played a different game from you because I was playing the Goondocks Master where I was like managing a hand of cards, and I needed those GM tokens to pay for these cards, but I also needed the GM tokens to level up my dice. maybe I'll
1: play GM next time. Maybe that would be different
0: for me. It would be. I mean, it's very different because I wasn't one character... I was kind of omnipresent where I was like, I'm all of these. Right. You're controlling the rats. And I'm deciding, should I spawn rats or should I use this trap or should I save my resources to advance the clock? You know, so I think that I totally was playing a different game. And Ah,
1: maybe I would like that more.
0: Yeah. And I would totally play you being the GM master and me just playing all four Goonies because I feel like if I was playing all four Goonies, that would also give me more to think about than just like, what is Mikey going to do?
1: Yep. So we will do that next time
0: yes i don't think it is a like game where you will love it no matter what you have to be like i want to play a goonies game where we're running around a map and having adventures and if that sounds amazing to you then i think the goonies never say die is great but normally i'm not that kind of gamer but i'm kind of the gamer who's like i like systems and figuring out how systems interact and that's why i almost didn't pick it up because i was just like is this going to kind of just be a narrative storytelling and for you it kind of was
1: yep that's okay
0: yeah but it's sticking around because at the end of the day if <laughs> so it, i'm
1: sure i'll have another chance to play it sometime in the future yeah, if
0: casey wants to keep it i'll keep it but if casey's like get that out of the house i'd be like mm, maybe i'll keep it
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah. like
0: i don't want to see that one mm, on the i shelf. think
1: i actually really like this one yeah i think i'm gonna keep it and that was our that's yeah. our summer spectacular yeah
0: so sorry I'm- that was a long one to come back to but Whew. we just really had to cover a lot of ground yeah but hopefully it was fun All right, and welcome back from Hey-o. our final discussion about Goonies Never Say Die. Yeah, and- it's
1: all in real time. We sat here and listened to that whole episode, and now it's the end of the episode.
0: Yep, I like that part when you mm. farted nonstop Shut for five up!
1: <laughs> you farted, and then you puked, and then your pants split. Well, it sounds like it's I so need a med- medical
0: attention, so I should get sympathy <laughs> while you are just as... <laughs> Just kidding. We just finished the <laughs> intro. <laughs> but we just wanted to remind people where they can find us online.
1: They can find us online on the internet. Mm-hmm. On our website. What's that? It's on the World Wide Web. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um, shufflebuddies.com. And then Instagram is shufflebuddiespod. And Twitter is shuffle underscore buddies and okay. then you can f- listen to us anywhere the podcast exists
0: anywhere worldwide web audio recordings <laughs> of the pod variety are served except does audible do that we're not on audible they do do podcasts now i don't know they might I have automatically oh. aggregated us but uh-oh don't, well, just don't open run that run camera or just don't go to
1: audible <laughs> come on fix something else yeah just use your Apple Podcast something. <laughs> not Apple Podcast. Use
0: Overcast.fm. That's my, I do it too now. That's my podcatcher of choice.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna draw. I'm not gonna open myself up to um, that debate. I'm not gonna tell people what I use for my podcasting. You just did. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna tell. I maybe use multiple things. <laughs> that's true. And I'm not gonna say what I used to use, what I currently use, or what I will in the future use. I don't want to hear it.
0: Well, maybe we need a YouTube channel.
1: <gasps> I have a YouTube channel. It's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to tell
0: people or let them hunt it down themselves? They
1: can hunt it down. Okay. I mean, it's if you, if you find me on Twitter, you'll be able to find me on YouTube.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Oh, fun. Yeah. Go find me. So sneaky.
0: The hunt is on. Yes. And with that, we will shuffle into the night. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle.
2: Shob you can
0: and
1: parks trails, trails trails by parks very similar to parks <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's trails <laughs> are you gonna cut that maybe i will <laughs> don't cut it, me <laughs> <laughs> should we say it again <laughs> <laughs> fine we that's the, that's our character. It's we're human. We can, we can
0: leave it in. I'll leave it in. All right.
1: Leave all of this in. <laughs> <laughs>